Welcome to Dr. Suzanne Howard's audio play. Thank you for downloading and I pray you are truly blessed. To get more information on Dr. Suzanne Howard's ministry, feel free to visit www.suzannemhoward.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Right? All right, so let's talk for a moment tonight. We're on chapter six. We are on chapter six, but as we begin to go in there, I just want to make sure that we are doing okay, that we're working our toolbox. Are we working our emotional intimacy? Uh, a big difference from the intimacy that we thought we've been experiencing. Intimacy puts the whipped cream, the cherry, and if you like nuts, sprinkles, or peanuts, or walnuts on it, that's the emotional intimacy on your intimacy. Taste and see. It's all there. So chapter six, emotional intelligence and decision making. I probably should put a, um, a warning sign up here because we are going to move into regrets. So it's going to get thick again for us, but I'm here with you. I'm not leaving you. As a matter of fact, I think I have a surprise. I'm going to do a different setup tomorrow because I really want y'all to feel like you're in a session and really get that that one on one session feeling. So hopefully before the 30 days are up, we will um, we'll get that kind of feel going. So in our journey through emotional intelligence, we've explored foundations, the foundations of understanding and managing our emotions, enhancing empathy and compassion and nurturing our emotional well-being. In this chapter now, we embark on a critical aspect of emotional intelligence. How emotional intelligence, or lack thereof, influences our decision-making processes. Some of the decisions you made in your life were because of where you were emotionally. Some of the poor decisions in your life was ruled and led by emotions and they could have been very um, heavy groundbreaking life-changing decisions and you allowed your emotions to lead you in it no regret because we're going to deal with that as well but understand that some of the people you left some of the people you're with some of the people that you spent time with was really out of emotion some of the jobs that you took some of the health decisions that you made, some of the financial decisions that you made, some of the decisions you never made was because you became so overwhelmed and influenced and driven by your emotions that this is how you ended up. This is what I asked my mentees when we opened up last quarter. I said, this, 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 this. Now, how did you get here? And we talked about that for a little bit. And I said, please understand that that's not the most important thing, but I want you to know that it was a decision that you got here. Do you know that failure isn't by accident? I feel like I'm in my mentor group now. I got to shift. But do you know that failing is not by accident? Think about that. You do not fail by accident. You may have not done it on purpose, but failing and becoming a failure in some things it's not by accident. There were decisions and choices or lack thereof that you made that led you into that place where you feel or you may have failed in some areas of your life. And once we can confess that 
and agree to that, then I can take you forward. But if you're still, well, you know, if God didn't want me to go through all that, he wouldn't allow me. Baby, God does not work with robots. He works with human beings. The Bible is very clear that we can get into things and then our faith in God can take us out. But do not think that God is, oh, I want you to be with this person. I want you at that job. I want you to have this child. I want you to get pregnant then. I want you to get intimate then because the way I set up nature, your eggs are flowing now. So then you can make this baby. I want that child's name. Now. Are you kidding me? That is not him. He wants us to love him through our emotions. He wants us to be led by our decisions after prayer and consulting with him. And when we don't do that, we end up with other things in our lives. But he is still the hand that takes us through the waters. He doesn't leave us nor forsake us. If we were our enemy or our stinking thinking was the enemy or there was a real spiritual enemy that caused these problems or we were led by that enemy. You know what the Bible says about that? What the devil meant for your evil. God is going to use it for your good. You didn't have to be molested and abandoned and put up in foster homes and abused. Oh, I had to do it so God could use me. The devil is a liar. We're going to stop that kind of thinking. That is not the God we serve. He does not need to see a sin and be a failure and be in demise for him to say, now I can use you. You were almost near death. That is not him. He will use that mess that the enemy thought was going to destroy you. That the rape and molestation and the incest and the abuse and the abandonment and the rejection and the, the mistreatment, the traumatic experiences of your life, what the enemy meant for your evil. God will use all that for your good. That's our God. Thank you, Ronnie. Am I saying your name right? People need to hear this. This is great stuff. Not enough of this being taught, especially in the church. Continue impacting lives on purpose. Thank you. I receive it. I saw your, um, your thumbs up on some of my posts, and I'm so grateful for it. I'm so grateful, mainly because this was something new for the church to come out with. So you can imagine, just like when the world um, doesn't understand something, they attack it. It's the same way in the church. Dominique, what's the crying eyes for with the prayer in hands? What's going on? Yeah, we didn't have to go through that. And don't blame God. God knew I was going to make this decision. Mm -hmm. And you know what he does when he knows you're going to make that decision? He puts other choices in front of us. And he has angels on assignment. He has people along the road of our life to pray for us, to make right decisions, to seek God, to repent to confess and repent and turn from our wicked ways. It's not by accident. So if you're seeing too much of that in your life, I need you to join up with my mentoring group. It's every three months. Put your money away and put it aside. I wish my mentors cost $100 a quarter. <laughs> my mentors are thousands of dollars. Thousands. Our books are $300 a book. What's the most you've ever spent on a book? Let's put that in there. What's the most you ever spent on a book? Dr. Miles Monroe said he can tell a lot about someone when he looks at their library. Our library speaks a lot about it. Instead of going in and looking at someone's living room and kitchen, why don't you take a peek at their library? It's a big deal. What's in their library? What are they reading?
How much are they investing in that? Yeah, think about that. And then how much are you spending in time all year for personal development? You know, God is concerned about our spiritual side and he's concerned about us making our home in heaven. But he gave us life. He gave us years. He gave us a brain and he expects us to use it just like the talents. He wants us to multiply in money. He expects us to use our brain and multiply it. College books. Yeah, I can imagine Yep. So what about after college? How much have we spent on books after college? We got our Netflix subscriptions, our prime video and prime delivery services subscriptions. Um, we have um, Hulu. We have um, BET. We have all these subscriptions. Add them up. How much are you spending on books and not books that you're told you have to get for college since college? How much are you spending on books. Think about that. I don't really remember how we got there, but think about it. Think on these things. All right, let's jump into our work. Maybe that's how we ended up there, right? Emotional intelligence and decision-making. Emotions are woven into the fabric of our decision-making. They guide our choices. You hear that? What did I just say? They shape our priorities and influence the outcomes of our actions. Whew, I feel like we need to breathe. Anyone else getting a, a flood of um, memories that's coming up right now? That's kind of showing you what it is that was going on in your life at the time when you made those decisions? Mm-hmm. Think on these things. Emotions are woven into the fabric of our decision making. That means we cannot get away from them. Emotions are going to be there. Emotions guide our choices. What is the last choice you made that you know was an emotional one? Let's talk about that for a minute. We're going to slow it down a little bit tonight. What was the last decision that comes to mind that you made emotionally? A lot of people benefit off of our emotional decisions. A lot of businesses. Yes. People are getting thoughts or flashes of memories. Mm-hmm. Was it shopping? Was that your last emotional decision? Was that to hang up on someone? Listen, let me tell you a joke real quick. True story today. I was talking with someone, right? And they were going through in traffic and I could hear it. And I started to laugh because <laughs> I know what that experience is like. And I actually had a road rage. Hopefully I didn't have the rage, maybe a little anger or frustration. I had that during these 30 days as well. So this person was getting ready to get heightened, right? And then they remembered who they were on the phone with. And they're like, oh man, you could tell that they immediately said to themselves, self-regulation, chill 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 she's on the phone with us so they were kind of like playing it off and then you know i heard them get hype and they made some comments about the person i don't believe she doing it this stupid lady oh my gosh she's gonna hit my car and then a few minutes after they got all that out they just got quiet and i said "Ooh, i clapped i said i'm so proud 
because I just realized that they work their EI. Because I said to them, emotional intelligence, you're in charge of your emotions, self-regulate. And I was so happy. And then guess what I found out, y'all? They muted their phone. They muted their phone so I couldn't hear them going off. They didn't self-regulate. They didn't win over emotional intelligence. They muted the phone and handled what they needed to handle. <laughs> oh, but that's all right. We're not giving up. It's only day 19. We're going to do this. We're going to get it done. We're going to self-regulate. We're going to be aware of ourselves and understanding that we can change the perspective and we can change the action on how we respond to things. When we talk about the emotional brain, we're going to delve into the role of the amygdala and other emotional centers of the brain in our decision making. So I really want you to understand that there's a whole lot of functioning. There's a huge system operating in us and we train it to do what it does. It doesn't train us. We train it, all the data, all of the events, all of the memories that we put in our brain, we train it to respond the way it does now. So and no devil made you do it. Your learned behavior made you do it. Emotional decision biases, emotional decision biases. Understand how emotions can lead to cognitive biases that impact our choices. These are emotional decision biases. The power of emotional clarity. We're going to learn how emotional clarity, understanding your own emotions can enhance decision-making accuracy. We're going to have strategies for emotional intelligent choices Emotional intelligent decisions making making goes around goes beyond merely recognizing the impact of emotions. It involves using emotional information to make informed choices. Someone say informed choices. Did you hear me? Emotional intelligent decision making goes beyond merely recognizing the impact of emotions. We started that five chapters ago where we are now. It involves using emotional information to make informed choices. This is where I really want you to park this year, making informed choices. It is in this chapter where we'll explore practical strategies to enhance your decision making skills. We're going to talk about decision-making framework. We're going to take the time to discover a step-by-step -step process for making emotional, intelligent decisions. By the way, I think we're on page 153. Emotion regulation techniques. We're going to explore techniques for managing strong emotions that can cloud judgment. We're going to talk about avoiding regrets. So let's, let's just hit this for a moment. The role of regret in decision-making. Somebody take the time to breathe. The role of regret in decision-making regret can be a powerful emotional force that influences future decisions. This is the problem that I have with regret. This is it right here because I know it to be, I've been trained in it and I know it to be even more so than my own personal experience, that it is a powerful emotional force, regret. Someone say regret.
that influences future. You see how this thing still kills and destroys? Regret is stealing future decisions. In this chapter, we're going to examine the impact of regret on our lives and choices. We're going to talk about the types of regret. Let's do that. We're going to explore different types of regret, including action regrets and inaction regrets. Certainly, let's explore more about regret and its nuances. The role of regret in decision making. Regret is a complex and multifaceted emotion that often arises after making decisions, especially those with significant consequences. It can have a profound impact on our mental well-being and influence our future choices. That's my stand between you and your next regret. In this section, let's delve deeper into the intricacies of regret and its role in our decision making process. So let's talk about decision making processes in regards to regret. So you may not have known, but you're going to learn today that there are types of regret. If you don't mind, pop it in the chat for me and put types of regret. Now you have to breathe. Yep, I get it. That's right, Raphael. Very good. Take the time to breathe. I'm coming after regret tonight. And if I don't have a healing prayer for that, I'll have one written up for us by tomorrow. Types of regret. Regret comes in various forms and understanding. These types can help us grasp the nuanced ways it affects our decision making. Number one, I want you to write in the chat, action regret. Action regrets. These regrets stem from choices and actions we took. For example, you might regret quitting a job, ending a relationship, or making a financial investment that didn't pan out as expected. You took action and now you have regret. That's an action regret. Good. You're all typing. Just want to check and make sure my students are here. Then there's the inaction regret. Inaction regret. Inaction regrets revolve around opportunities we did not seize or decisions we did not make. These regrets often involve the what ifs. You might wonder what would have happened if I had pursued a different career path? What would have happened if I would have just went ahead and confessed my true feelings, what would have happened if I didn't let fear stop me? These are the inaction regrets. And then the last type of regret we're going to talk about is the avoidance regrets. Avoidance regrets. Avoidance regrets. Excuse me, roll back up here. Somebody's type texting me on my screen. These regrets occur when we avoid making a decision altogether. We might avoid confrontation. We might avoid change. We might avoid taking risk. We might avoid leading to a sense of missed opportunities or even stagnation. Avoidance regrets. Make sure you type that out. Did y'all do the second one? Let me look at the screen here. 
Inaction, action, avoidance. Good. Make sure we have that. Types of regret. Is this your first time hearing about three types of regret? We saying, Lord, already. I avoid a lot. And yeah, I'm, I'm sure all of us do. And to a, a subconscious level, we avoid a lot and we're not aware of it. Sometimes a lot of us, we just get stuck in emotions and we don't even answer a text. We don't answer a phone call. We don't answer an email. We stop opening mail. We don't even try to negotiate a bill. We just avoid. And I can teach you how not to do that and how to feel better, have a better takeaway from that. So there is the complexity of regret. Regret is not one size fits all emotion. It varies in intensity. It varies in the duration and the impact from one person to another person and situation to situation. Here are some aspects that contribute to the complexity of regret. What right, we just mentioned intensity regret can range from mild to intense. A minor regret could be fleeting kind of comes and goes while a profound regret can linger for years, for years. Is there anyone on here that can think of a regret that they have? I don't want you to talk about it on here. This isn't the station for it right now. But if you have a regret for years, let me see a yes or hand on the screen. You know, right now at this moment that there is a years long regret that you have. Yeah, they're coming up years. Do you understand? Probably not because who teaches that, right? Do you understand the impact of having regret in your life and then regret that's been there for years? I'm going to help you all. Kevin Brandon, I'm going to help you all. Mike Tate. Yeah. Regret for years. And oftentimes, believe this, this is amazing. This has happened in coaching. I've seen people walk so free and liberated. When you talk it out and you work up extenuating circumstances, um, other options, um, some people actually regretted things for 10 years. But when they look at their life now, they had to be honest that, yeah, that, that, that was a good decision then, but I didn't do it. I would not go back and do it now because it wouldn't even fit my life, but I'm stuck on thinking how much better my life could be had I done that 10 years ago. Okay. But let's, let's make it in perspective again. If, if you had done this 10 years ago, your life, you believe, you don't know. You believe your life would be different and you believe your life would be better. So is it really that you're regretting something or are you in a fantasy because you don't know how to get out of a certain situation that you're in now that you are fantasizing and you have made an imagination. You have made a belief that if I had done that, this wouldn't be happening right now in my life. If I had married then, if I had had the baby then, if I had gotten the degree then. See, sometimes we use imagination to kind of self-soothe, to make us feel better about current things in our life. When in reality, when you talk it out with a professional, you may find out, I really don't regret it, but I'm looking somewhere to put this pain. I'm looking somewhere to 
put this feeling of that's the other thing in, in, in intentional mentoring, inertia. That's the other thing. I'm, I'm stuck and I'm looking for somewhere so that I could, because the brain is looking for answers all day for us, all day long, even in our sleep, guys, our brain is looking for answers. So if constantly on your mind is this particular situation in your life, your brain's going to research. This is true. Psychologically, your brain is going to research undone things in your thinking process, in your soul, and it's going to connect it for you. And you're going to buy into the belief that had I done that, I wouldn't have this problem right now. And when you talk it out, you find out I was I was putting oranges to apples and I was spending years doing this oranges to apples. And, and just a, a, a sidebar note for you, please understand that it is your brain's job to remind you of things that you consider undone. No closure, not finished. So if you don't allow yourself to end a story, your brain's job is to remind you and remind you and remind you until it's done. And if it's not done, it stays there and it piles up with all the other things. And then when you have issues where you think, oh, I should have married this one or I should have never got married at all. Or I should have went to Africa years ago. I should have went on Israel and I wouldn't be in this situation now. Right away, your brain's looking for connections on why. So your brain can lie to you. Your brain can lie to you because it's doing its job based on the information that you have. And if you're dealing with regret and you don't have a life coach specialized, if you're not in therapy, if you're not even starting out in prayer and asking the Holy Spirit to reveal to you and to minister to you, you're not doing anything that's possibly available to you to help you get out of this situation. This actually can be considered a sin sick situation. The Bible speaks about regrets, even without using the word regret. So think about that. Your brain is only working with the information you're giving it. Let's feed our brains more this year. Let's get involved more. Let's use the resources that are around us. It's going to cost money, people. But I promise you, what you get out of it, you will see was minor. I have people that has gone through coaching with me and we've done some therapeutic sessions of life coaching, right? And they were like, oh my God, this is so costly because I have weekly clients. My Saturday mornings are all regulars, all weekly clients. And they've been with me over a year. When they're done with their segment, they always end up sending me gifts or sending me something because they feel like after they've gotten their healing, after they've gotten out of inertia, they feel like you should have charged so much more for this. But when we're in it, we're thinking about the finances and how bad stewards we probably are. And this is why we can't afford to spend our money on things that help us. Right. I promise you the outcome would be amazing. And that's why some coaches are fifteen thousand, twenty five thousand, fifteen hundred dollars. The exchange is amazing. I've seen people break three, start businesses, um, become really great in their in their their niche that they're in. And it's because they were able to break free. So if I can lead you and guide you in that and you don't even have to come with me, but I promise you. If you really want to benefit your life, it's going to take that that 
that up edge. You need someone to reach down with their hand and pull you up. So there's the intensity of regrets that differ from all of us. A minor regret could be fleeting while a profound regret can linger for years. We're talking about years long regrets. If you're journaling, write down years long regret and spend some time. If you have time when we get off tonight, tomorrow, even this week, and list some of the regrets that are coming up out of your soul that are there. Get it out. Start writing it. Writing is a great alleviation of getting it out because we cannot conquer what we don't confront. And the first step to confronting is admitting, write it down. You don't have to share it with me. You don't have to share with anyone. Again, Apple just released a journal app on our phones. We can lock it and write down your long-term regrets. And please understand that what you write today may not be a regret next week. You need understanding. You need to unpack the box of regret and see what's really involved in it. The other part of regret is the duration of it. Some regrets get buried for time while others persist. Long lasting regrets can affect mental well-being if left unaddressed. The duration of them. There are some regrets that you have that you may not even have known that were there. And tonight they come up. Or as you begin to write all the other regrets that are there. All of a sudden one comes up and you're like, oh, you have a dream tonight. You'll have a dream tonight. And you'll say, whoa, I think that was a regret I dreamed about. You may have forgotten some, but just because it's forgotten doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Our brains and the way God made us, we are able to suppress things so we don't crack things. But what's suppressed shouldn't stay suppressed. Because suppression brings depression because anything depressed for too long becomes anger and anger depressed becomes depression. So nothing pression is good. Suppression, repression, regression, suppression. None of that is good. You want to work and talk these things out. This is the way God made us. This is why therapy works. This is why coaching works. This is why the Catholics started going, um, having people go to the priests and confess. You don't have to share your name. You don't have to share your picture, uh, um, your face. He's in a booth there on the other side of a screen. No one has to know who they are because confession is good for the soul. Can you write that in the chat? Confession is good for the soul. And if we don't have anyone to confess to, start with journaling. Start with talking to God. Get these regrets out. Confession is good for the soul. The other part of regret, triggers. We spent some time on triggers. I'm hoping that we have a day or two left in the end where we can go in a little bit deeper on triggers. But number three is triggers. Regret can resurface Due to specific triggers. If a if a regret resurfaced due to a trigger, please do not buy into the fact that 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 regret was gone. It was gone. I was over it. If you were able to be triggered, it was already there. Remember that statement we made when we dealt with triggers. If you are able to be triggered by something, that something has always been there. 
Regret can resurface due to specific triggers, such as encountering a situation similar to the one that led you to regret. And then last number four, interference. Interference with decision-making. Ongoing regrets can cloud future decision-making. See, this is where I stand in the middle of you and your regrets. Because I need your decision-making to cause you to enter into abundant life. The fear of experiencing regret, again, may lead to avoidance behaviors or excessively cautious choices. <coughs> avoidance behaviors. So let me give you some wisdom re regarding regret. While regret is often viewed negatively, you see how God can use everything for his good, for our good? While regret is often viewed negatively, it can serve as a valuable teacher and catalyst for personal growth. Here's how regret can offer you wisdom in your decision-making journey. So see, now regret wants to sit down and regret wants you to sit on the other side of the desk and regret wants to have a conversation with you because just like pain, which none of us enjoy, but pain is an indicator that something is wrong. Something is hurting. Something has been there for a while. We don't enjoy pain, but pain is a messenger. Our emotions are a messenger. So now we're going to sit for a minute tonight and learn that regret is a messenger. Regret wants to sit at the desk and it wants to counsel you. It wants to tell you how it can offer you wisdom in your decision making journey. Number one, by reflection and learning. Regret prompts us to reflect on our choices and their consequences. I bet I won't do that one again. Right. Is that a statement we say there? The introspection can lead to insights about our values, priorities and areas where we might want to make different choices in the future. Messenger regret. Course correction. Number two, regret can act as a course correction mechanism. When we experience regret, it signals that something didn't align with our expectations or values. This awareness can guide us toward making more aligned decisions in the future. Here we go back to that big E word, empathy and compassion. Regret, number three, can foster empathy and compassion for others who have faced similar situations. It helps us understand the human experience of making imperfect choices and learning from them. That's all you want to do is be able to learn from everything you've gone through. No regrets. I learned from it. I took away from it. This is my human experience. Never let anyone because they have a role or a title or a degree or you expect so much for them never expect so much from someone that you deny them a human experience i know we want our our government and our our pastors and we want our mothers and our fathers and we want our children to live a certain way and be a certain way and make us proud and be a role model for us. But you do understand that this is a journey that every human being is on and we can learn differently from listening to wisdom, 
We can learn differently by going through trials and experiencing the pain of trials and then learning, hopefully. Everyone has to go through in order to understand life. None of us are exempt. This is why I have such a problem with man where we will not give people a break. And I'll say that in this way, because someone did something 10 years ago, do you think they're the same person today? We should think not right until we have some proof. And if they haven't changed, if they haven't learned from what they did 10 years ago, that's why I love God. Why would we hold someone to something they did 10 years ago? Let's let's hear them out on it. You know, I did something. Um, it was the culture at the time. Um, it was where I was mentally at the time. Doesn't excuse poor behavior. I'm not talking about, you know, injustices, anyone dying or being hurt or, you know, children, anything being hurt. I'm talking about where we want to bring up someone's past of what they did 10 years ago. It disgusts me, especially if we notice or note that they're not even the same person they were 10 years ago. The law wants to bring up things we did 10 and 20 years ago and hold us accountable in a higher court because of what we've done. But do we have to be like that with each other? God isn't like that. You're holding me in contempt for something that I've repented from 10 years ago, five years ago, maybe even a year ago. So all of us have to go through our human experience, and that's what builds our empathy and compassion for one another. That's what builds our empathy and compassion for one another. And, and sadly, sometimes we do awful things, hurtful things, things that you could be arrested for. But is this person the same person they were 10 years ago, five years ago, 20 years ago? I mean, my God, do we have any degree of belief in humanity anymore? Come in from the world because the world just wants to persecute you, attack you, accuse you. People can't make mistakes anymore. Everything you do is on social media. I feel so bad for the pastor I saw today that was correcting his son who was leading worship. And yeah, it was out of order, but he was out of order. And that's something that should be dealt with in the house. But because everybody's recording, everything on, goes, goes on social media. The poor guy is being attacked. And it's like, whoa, back off. Where did we get to be the judge and the jury on everything that goes on in people's lives? Give people a break. Speak encouragement and love to people. And it's getting worser. <laughs> Y'all know that's my word. And worser with social media. People can't even fail. People can't even learn from their mistakes. They can't even have a moment where on their journey, this is what they had to go through to become more empathetic or compassionate or to learn something about it. I just think we're just becoming so desensitized to human journeys and experiences. It's just like we're pushing this perfection thing, which leads to narcissistic thing. And it's a dangerous place to go. So regret can help you foster empathy. You might be quiet the next time somebody got fired from a job when you got fired from a job. When you've had your electricity shut off, when you've been homeless, you might be a little nicer to someone else on the side of the road. Instead of saying, stop begging and get a job. 
When a job isn't their issue, mental illness is their issue. They're fully capable of working a job, but their mental issues, their EI is not intact. No one can hire them to even work at the counter of McDonald's because their EI is off. Anything sets them off, but end up in their emotional shoes and you'll begin to learn empathy. So regret, God uses regret to foster empathy and compassion for others who have faced similar situation. It helps us understand the human experience of making imperfect choices and learning from them. Number four, appreciation and gratitude. Regret can also lead to a deeper appreciation for what we have. Sometimes regretting past decisions highlights the value of our current circumstances and relationships. Do we understand that statement right there? I think I saw Apostle Coley Chris come on. Apostle, I apologize if I didn't recognize you. I have a different screen up right now and I was not looking at the screen, but I want to make sure I recognize especially those leaders who are building and taking time to jump on. God bless you all. Come on, catch up with me. Regret can also lead to a deeper appreciation for what we have. Sometimes regretting past decisions, listen to this part, highlights the value of our current circumstances and relationships. Anyone ever regret how you had to grow up? And today you're able to say, I'm the first homeowner in my family. I'm the first person in the family to get married. I'm the first person to be able to go to college. I'm the first person in my family that was able to send their children to college. I'm the first member of my family that has a belief in Jesus Christ. And I'm raising um, my family and my husband and I, we go to church together. I'm the first in my family. So you get what I'm saying there, right? Sometimes God will use regret to highlight the value of our current circumstances and relationships right there. You should take a moment and just thank God for current circumstances and relationships, no matter what degree or what level they are in as a work in progress. Take some time right now. You have time. I'm not hearing you. And just thank the people or thank God for your current circumstances and relationships. I'm going to finish this part right here tonight. It's essential to acknowledge and process regret constructively rather than letting letting it weigh us down. Instead of dwelling on what might have been, we can use regret as a stepping stone towards making more informed and aligned decisions. Tomorrow, we're going to talk about the the um, art of regret management, and we're going to talk about how to cope with regret. We may have enough time to get to turning regret into growth. We may have that time tomorrow. And if we do get that done, then we'll do some healing and deliverance at the end of the segment from past regrets. So if you know people who are living in regret and they're stuck and they're in all types of male adaptive 
coping mechanisms because they're hurting that they weren't there when someone died or they're hurting that maybe a decision they made caused some pain to someone else. Tell them about tomorrow night. Tag them on this tonight. Put it in their inbox. We're going to not only get a better understanding to regret, but we're going to walk through group healing and deliverance. And if you need one on one healing or deliverance for anything that we've started at this point, you can inbox us. And at the end of January, after we're out of January, somebody say, let us get through January. We will be glad to have appointments with you and we will take you through a private session of healing and deliverance to help you with the sexual issues we talked about last night, the lust of perversions, high imaginations. And then tonight we're talking about regrets. We will also offer you that one-on-one -on -one. and that will probably be done through the Apostles House and not through Suzanne Howard Ministries. I will be there, but it will not be. I don't do that in my business. That would be through the church. So we're going home. Be nice to someone tonight. Think about your regrets. Write them down. Put them in a personal, private place and begin to ask God to help you with those regrets. Allow the ministry of the Holy Spirit to begin to minister to your regrets so that when we uproot this out of your soul tomorrow, it can be finished. It can be finished. I wish above all things that you prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. God bless you and good night. I'll see you all tomorrow, 8 p.m. Dr. Suzanne Howard is happy to have shared this time with you. To get more information on solutions and personal development, coaching, and counseling of the soul, go to www.suzannemhoward.com. You can also find her on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Periscope. Thank you for tuning in with us.